This episode of IPv6 Buzz is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV. And we have a special offer for IPv6 Buzz listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. ITPro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout and save 30% off all plans. Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship and you can get all the details. Um, and if you've got something cool working with V6, hey, obviously we want to hear about it. So come join us on the IPv6 Buzz and we'll get a chance to chat. Uh, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Coffey and it's Scott Hogan. Today, we're going to be talking about sort of selling IPv6 as a project, um, not actually selling the address space or the prefixes or anything else that, that goes around that, but really how do you sort of pitch the idea of like, hey, we should be doing V6 adoption, uh, you know, and how do you deal with like the business, financial and all the other drivers that might make it sort of desirable to do so, but maybe you can't articulate them. And so I thought we'd, we'd get a chance to chat about that because this is sort of what we do and what we talk to a lot of folks about. So I thought we'd get, a, get an opportunity to sort of maybe jump in and talk about maybe the differences between like business and technical drivers and, you know, what those things are, you know, for how that impacts adoption and, and, you know, maybe some examples of around the business drivers is where we should start. Cause that's, that at least makes sense to me from a company standpoint, you're trying to get your company to adopt this. Like what's the business driver? Like, why would we do this? Right. Yeah. And, it's probably, it's probably unlikely your, your CIO is going to read a magazine in the, airplane seat back pocket in front of them and, and uh, then come into work on Monday going, IPv6, is that a thing? Like, what should we be doing? <laughs> like, uh, it's probably more likely that you as the architect, the engineer, are going to have to sell it upward in your organization and convince others that IPv6 is a benefit to your organization. Yeah, I think that's a that's probably true to to a great extent. Um, I think there might be a few things that might be new or unique in in certain business cases. Like maybe you're fortunate enough to work for maybe a new company that's trying to build out a new market opportunity. So maybe you work for a service provider who's going to deploy a new cloud or a SaaS offering, mm -hmm. and, and and it might require like just lots of address space because mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And maybe IPv4 is too expensive. So deploying V6 is going to make more sense or you need to provide a set of, of transition technologies or transport technologies because of what you're actually deploying. And so that could be an absolute, mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, that's probably not going to be super common, but it is something that could happen. And, and, and if you're in that position, I think V6 makes a huge amount of sense to go ahead and do from day one. Yeah, uh, I guess any kind of greenfield project, you're starting something new. Let's say it's a Wi-Fi 6 upgrade. Hey, well, we're going to deploy a new SD-WAN or, hey, we're rolling out a new a cloud set of cloud environments for a new mm -hmm. application set. Just ask the question, hey, why don't we turn on IPv6 right from the start? You know, right. why, don't we, why don't we just turn it on now so we don't have to worry about it later? Or have we treat it as a separate project? Let's just integrate or just ask the question, why wouldn't we want to add IPv6 as a requirement to this net new project. So we don't have to come back and do that second step twice or have another yeah, twice. set of change windows to add that as an afterthought. Let's bake it in. Just simply ask that question. Why wouldn't we 
deploy IPv6 as part of a greenfield. Yeah, and they, that that way you're not doing the project twice, right? Once for mm -hmm. IPv4 and again for IPv6, you can just do it once, dual stack it, and and know that you're ready to go. Uh, right yeah, because that beginning. that might add you know, having to treat the deployment as two separate deployments. While there's some overlap, you know there might be seventy percent overlap, but thirty percent not overlap. So you've just added thirty percent to your cost of a new deployment by thinking about IPv6 as a separate endeavor, you know, maybe you could just have it be integrated. Is in. it kind of like pulling the thread on the, the sweater though? I mean, for a lot of organizations, because they, hmm. they don't really have, um, you know, they've got IPv6 deployed and they don't know it, say at the desktop level, maybe they've gone so far as to have the, you know, Hey, networking guys, turn it on in the core. And you know, that's like a, I don't know, a month project or something, they get that going. It's relatively mm -hmm. easy to do, but then that's it. That's kind of where everything sort of stops. But then, stalls you know, out. Yeah, it stalls out. And then so then this, you know, these opportunities you talk about, these like newer, newer deployments of of technologies that are there to solve problems theoretically, hopefully not create more problems. And then it's like, well, let's let's use this as an opportunity to enable IPv6. But then the issue is that there's not really uh, you know, a pra an operational practice associated with IPv6 outside of maybe, you know, one one or two silos at the most. And then it's like we're we're sort of multiplying the complexity of of this project that was initially there to solve a problem that we have by adding IPv6 to it. And so in a way that can like even become a sort of disincentive, like, well, well, let's just continue to kick that IPv6 can down the road. Sorry to mix my metaphors here, threads on sweaters <laughs> and kicking cans and whatnot. Well, but and you're also being a negative Nelly. <laughs> well, yeah, no, definitely. I definitely am. Um, but, but this is, this is the reality, right? Cause this is, right, right, you know, yes. because a lot of these other initiatives, they're, they're cross-functional in a similar way as IPv6. Yes. And so, yes. so yeah. bringing a background to the question of how to, how do you sell IPv6 in an organization? This is, this seems like a big challenge because you have mm -hmm. to be able to sell IPv6 in the context of these other projects that are there to solve problems. And right. I guess, you know the 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 ghosts of network future um, that that are, are waiting to haunt you if you really look at it. You know, with some scrutiny, is that and what we sort of talked about in, in setting up the the planning for this call for this podcast. Um, you know, what are the levels of IPv6 adoption looking like uh, across the board? Like, so I'm going to go ahead and ignore IPv6 for this initiative that I have to you know for this this technology. But in the, in the meantime you know, like 50% of the users in the U.S. are, are IPv6 enabled and using IPv6. Uh, is, is, is that a huge risk? And so, you know, is there a risk yeah. management component that comes into it? Yeah, yeah it's, I a think, it's a business risk, right? Yeah, yeah. you make a great point, Tom, because I think you may not necessarily be selling up, like I first said, you know, trying to advocate upward in your organizational chart for IPv6. You may do it laterally. And where you may do it laterally are on those IT initiatives that tend to be cross-functional right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, Zero Trust. We're rolling out Zero Trust. We're going to do a secure access service edge. Okay, this isn't just in the realm of the security department. There's desktops involved, the network team, the network architecture, or, yeah, SD-WAN. It involves security architecture changes in network and desktop or like a wireless upgrade. It's not just wireless, it's 
network security, desktops. Um, yep. So these projects that are multidisciplinary require multiple IT silos to be involved. You probably are selling laterally like, hey, these, how about security team? Hey, system administrators. Hey, desktop, have you thought about this? And maybe we, and, and so you're kind of trying to get consent, you're building consensus laterally. Mm-hmm. In some yeah, ways. and I think... And I think some of the initiative around that is explaining the business risks, right? The business risks around either lost opportunity, about, you know, securing your environment, like all those sorts of things that get missed off the list. Mm-hmm. So you have to sell that both laterally, like you said, Scott, but you also have to ups, you have to sell that upstream so that they understand why the initiative is important. So I think those both the combination of those two things are going to help you in terms of, uh, and it may take a while to develop all of this mm-hmm. and, and actually meet all the relationships you require to sort of sell this. But uh, it's 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 one of those things that, that falls in there. I think there are other business motivators that might actually happen to companies. Some of them are like compliance, like you might have compliance requirements. So to say like, hey, we have to do this for V6 or you have a government mandate, right? That mm-hmm. says like, you have to do this. So then you have a different set of business drivers that are requiring the business to do something around V6, around a particular technology set. And then you just have to go solve that problem. And that's, a per, that's actually an easier, I, I think, an easier thing to go take as a, as a business driver to go sell that and, and understand what you need to do there because it's mm-hmm. very explicit. Um, I do think, you know, other business opportunities are maybe things that folks aren't thinking about. Like if you've got like a really big organization and you're dealing with a lot of mergers and acquisitions, maybe even in existing companies that didn't integrate before, you may have, you know, a really high cost for the merger side. And if you're required to actually integrate networks together, it could be really difficult to do that. Or if you're having to manage remote sites and uh, maybe you have so much overlapping address space that it's just not feasible to do some of the work that you need to do. In other words, the help desk team and, and, this, and the desktop team is spending a crazy amount of money and resources to try and get something done. You could actually solve some of that with V6 in order to make things a little bit easier there. Um, but that's just being you know more creative uh, of, in terms of trying to do problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a business opportunity versus a business risk, right? You're trying to solve a set of given problems that a business is facing. Well, and then there's, and then there's the, uh, and that, I think that's absolutely true. And I think they're also in that, in that context, there's the, the, the silo or the, the set of engineering resources solving a, a business problem for management by using IPv6. So it's like, you know, you've got this merger and acquisition cost and expense problem, and we can make that go away by by using IPv6 to provide abundant space that doesn't require overlapping private address space, that doesn't require a bunch of complex NAT rules and, and crazy IP address management schemes to try to keep everything straight and, and keep the traffic flowing, keep the network working. But then the, the flip side is... Um, what can management or what can the, the business and the executive leaders do for the silos related to IPv6? So it's like, we can solve this problem for you. And, and, and business, the business side of the house is like, great, you've solved that problem for us. That's great. IPv6 really paying its way here. So, uh, you know, but what is the incentive the, 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 in the other direction for the, the executives and the management to, to really understand that? You know, there may be some costs associated with IPv6 in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, building an operational practice that even makes that possible. So, you know, and, and that kind of co- crops up too with the government mandate thing where, you know, it's like, oh, great, you know, there's a mandate. We have to do this. That's the business case. <laughs> but that certainly doesn't imply or or result in a guarantee of funding for the project. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, th- I think the the counterpoint to that is that that's the same argument with zero trust. Zero trust helps us solve a given set of problems. There's a cost of adopting zero trust in order to make that happen. There's a cost of adopting public cloud in order to solve a given set of problems around agility or you know whatever other reason you want to use public cloud. So I think I, I think V6 fits in the same category. I, th- I think the hard part, actually, at least in my mind's eye, maybe this is maybe this is something you guys can sort of comment on, but the help desk team or the desktop management team isn't going to know that V6 is going to solve that problem for them, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking like, I've got a set of tooling and I just either have to brunt, you know, brute force through this or my network team isn't helping me and I'm trying to solve this. So you may not even know the problem space exists, right? right. Um, and, and so that's that's really getting around and communicating with the rest of your team members. What are you trying to do? What's your biggest problem sets that you're, you know, you're working through? And that really requires that you spend a little bit of time working outside of your day-to-day discipline environment mm-hmm. to go understand what set of problems other folks are dealing with. Maybe your app team is dealing with like weird container sprawl and like, I can't do service discovery because everything's added inside of my Kubernetes cluster and I'm trying to get multiple clusters to talk to each other, but I don't have an easy way. And I'm trying to figure out this Istio Envoy service mesh stuff and none of it makes sense to me, right? Right, right. right. But this is all, but that's all still lateral, right? I mean, yeah. And so then yeah. so then the question is, what if, if I want management to help solve this problem, problem that I have, I can, I can certainly, you know, socialize the issue of, of IPv6 adoption and management laterally within the organization. And that's valuable to do. But as you say, it's like, you know, that has to be done outside, outside of the requirement of all the work that you've got piled on your desk that you have to take care of that doesn't, is not V6 related. So I guess I, I, what I want to, what I want to sort of understand and what I want the listeners to sort of hear us puzzle through is what problem are we expecting management to solve for us? If I'm able to pitch to, to management, so that the idea is here, I've got to sell IPv6 as a as a foundational cross-functional project that's going to touch everything. Because we know that. We know that that's what's at risk here, whether it's a risk management exercise or enabling new services or, you know, we're aware of that, but management isn't and we need to get them on board. But what are we hoping, you know, like what's the ideal outcome Management, like, you know, like imagine a fantasy scenario where management says, you know, what is it that you need? What's the answer to that question? If I'm, if I'm in the organization trying to solve that problem mm-hmm. from a technical perspective, what do I expect management to be able to do? I've successfully sold them. Now, what is it that they're going to do for me? I interrupt the podcast today for a quick word from our sponsor, IT Pro TV. Do you remember the ransomware attack on the gas pipeline from last year? That is an example of how cybersecurity professionals are in demand. There are more than 500,000 open cybersecurity roles, and you can become a cybersecurity professional with some online training. It's never too late to start a new career in IT or move up the ladder, and IT Pro TV, today's sponsor, has you covered. From CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. IT Pro TV is offering more than 5,800 hours of on-demand training, and they, they teach it with engaging hosts. They present information in a talk show format, so it's not boring. They're live every day if you like live content, and the shows that they record each day, those go studio to web in 24 hours. The courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role. And you can stream IT Pro TV's courses live or on demand worldwide via really any platform you want Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. 
Visit itpro.tv slash buzz for 30% off all plans and use promo code buzz at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv slash buzz and use promo code buzz at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now back to the podcast. What you're hoping to have is that IPv6 be a legitimized project or rather treat it as a, as a multi-year program on the list, the, the docket or the list of IT projects that are pending or in flight. You'd like IPv6 to be either listed as a project and with people's time and resources put towards it and allocated or it's going to be a mandate that's we're going to address IPv6 in every IT project. Hmm. Yeah. Would that and be I, the goal? I, I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is is the realization for the executive team. And this is this is the difficult side for many people that are that sit in the technical camp of uh, under the IT umbrella, is that you have to have you have to have an understanding of both the business drivers and financial impacts. So if you can show financial gain, if you can show you know, business objective gains, then the technical drivers have become very easy, right? Because you can fund them directly, either through savings or through business risk reduction or through net new markets or whatever that's going to be for your company. And, and that requires working with your, your upstream, you know, sponsors to say like, you know, hey, if, if we do this for our desktop support, we can save X amount of dollars. It also helps us move the project forward from a V6 perspective to make things better. We can then take advantage of doing maybe enhancing what our zero trust capabilities are. We can then extend this into, you know, maybe internet edge and cloud and, and other, you know, other things that we have going on as an organization. So we'll get additional business risk reduction incentives and other items that happen across the board. And that's what executive is probably more interested in hearing that this isn't a point solution. And then I just wasted my money picking up this one thing to solve this one problem. Right, you, you usually want to invest in a, in a longer-term horizon that actually has greater, you know, impact to the business overall, but also, you know, does not have onerous financial impacts and maybe has financial incentives around it. Yeah, That's, I think the challenge to that point Ed, is that you know you have to be able to convey to the executives that this is going to keep coming up. You know, if 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 you're yeah, if you're exactly. negative about IPv6, it's like this this IPv6 bad penny keeps turning up, and I you know <laughs> I want that problem to go away. Yes, but but they don't. You know, they're not necessarily going to connect the dots on their own to say, hey, look, there's a common theme here that that you know we don't have an IPv6 operational practice. Uh, or strategy uh, or strategy across the organization. And yet every one of these technologies that we're dealing with, whether it's cloud, whether it's SDN, whether it's zero trust, there's an IPv6 component to it. And every time that comes up, you know, there, there are multiple team members in multiple silos that are scratching their heads saying, what do we do with this? We don't know what to do with this. And, and, you know, we're here. So we, we set it again. aside, we yeah. set it aside, yeah. we set or, it aside, right? Or yeah. every time a new, a net new IT project comes up, cloud, Oh, we need more V4 addresses. Oh, IoT. We need more V4 addresses. Mm -hmm. Oh, we want to expand or do mergers and acquisitions. Oh, we need more V4 addresses. Then it's like, well, what do we do? <laughs> we have yet another NAT or we overload or we readdress or we go buy expensive addresses. What what are those strategies? So then then the alternative is well, what if we did this project? with v6 then maybe there's savings if it's v6 only if it's dual <laughs> stack 
then you have all the problems of E4 and then the and then all the problems of IPv6 and then all the problems of IPv6 too <laughs> deployment but uh not like that's double the effort necessarily or or double the cost by doing it dual stack but it's additive right mm -hmm. um so and you're not necessarily solving the problem you think you're solving, right? Yeah. So that could be the other part. So any of those other initiatives, like we just mentioned, would need net new V4 addresses. And we forget that that's an investment yeah. requirement of all any of these other technologies mm -hmm. if we didn't without IPv6. And is a limited resource, unlike V6. Like mm -hmm. V4 truly is like you only got a certain amount of RC 1918 space or whatever else you want to steal out there, folks. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're going to pay out the nose for public V4. It's just a reality uh, unless you're using service provider space. It, I, in which case. I think it's an incredibly important point for the the folks that are, you know, maybe you, you would theoretically hope that the, the folks on the executive and business side are much more quantitative in their approach. But before the call, Ed, I was, you know, complaining about blockchain and every time that term crops up in any technical uh, context i'm just like i cringe I, I don't know that's being unfair but there is but there is something there in that uh, among that sort of you know weird cult of blockchain folks when they when they make that when they make that connection to ipv6 they they really i think maybe do see the abundance side of things in a way that if you're a technical, you know, if you're a business manager, it's hard for you to imagine a resource that's essentially inexhaustible. And the and the potential advantage of that, you know, you, you're not used to thinking in those terms. And right. so, the, you know, the blockchain weirdos at least get that right, where it's like there's this incredible <laughs> abundance with IPv6 that's going to allow certain problems to be solved where there's no resource constraint. And so, if, yeah. you know, how do you convey that to to a, a group of folks that are used to thinking about everything in terms of scarcity? Yeah, I, want, I want my NFTs to have IP addresses. <laughs> I want, I want to, instead of Web3, I want No, Web no, you six. got that backward. You got that backwards, Scott. <laughs> I got want that Web backwards. Six. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to own a, I'm going to go register a prefix and then sell all my addresses as NFTs. <laughs> now, now we're talking make money fast. Make money fast on the My internet. single 64 okay. has 18 quintillion <laughs> addresses in it. If I get a buck a piece, I'm looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, it's, you know, uh, joking aside, I think one of the structural problems for, for business executives is you, is you work on what's ahead of you immediately. You don't look at potential necessarily all day long, right? And so we're talking about potential in terms of like how much address space, what potential problems you could solve. You could be creative and use this as a, as a, as a tool to solve a given set of problems. Well, that's great. What's the problem? And you're like, well, it doesn't exist yet, right? Like there's certain things in blockchain doesn't exist yet, but everyone's like investing money to figure out what that thing is going to be. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So I think I think that's 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 part of it, and and there's been a lot of discussion for a long time. Everyone always used to say in the early days when we were doing all the V6 work, well, where's the killer app for IBV6? Uh, the internet? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> uh, no NAT and not ever having to readdress again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it's it's funny, like you know, no one's no one's going to come back and sort of you know, it's like, well, the internet exists today. Well, it, our our we have an obligation to make the internet work for generations way past us. And the reality is V4 is not going to work for that. So there is going to be a, a change in terms of what, sort of how we have to think about that sort of stuff. Um, and let, let's let's switch gears, you guys. Let's talk about, let's assume we get some buy-in here. Let's say like, great, we want to do a pilot project. We want to figure out how you can solve some problems with this. Maybe we want to get some cloud services up and running, or we at least want to get, 
you know, the capability to talk to all of the internet. We don't want to leave 50% of it behind and your executive team gets that. And they're like, yeah, great. Go, go figure out how to make that happen. I think there's another set of challenges for many, for many folks when they're sort of stepping into that arena and they're like, great, we've got, I've got executive buy-in and you go to the rest of your team. And you're like, we're going to do V6. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to learn that. <laughs> Right. I got enough on my plate. Like, you know, I, it's, it's sort of funny, but it's, it's, it seems to be like a lot of people think IPv6 is really hard um, as just a technology to learn. I don't, I don't know if this has been your guys' experience, but um, it seems to be, there's like a lot of naysayer objection around, like, I don't want to learn that. Right. <laughs> I'm just imagining the guy, you know, in one silo at, I don't know, the network team or whatever, there's a guy sitting in the cube, you know, that's been hound, hounding management to get serious about V6. And finally the, you know, the memo goes out and the guy in the next cube was like, Oh, great. It was V6 crap. I got to deal with this now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd have, I'd have retired by now, but no, yeah, exactly. That's just a total Dilbert sort of Dilbert moment, right? Of like, you know, pointy hair boss coming in. But yeah, I mean, it's. But I just feel like a, I think I feel like this is one of those objections I that comes up. But I find it funny within the networking community that we're all on board to learn Python, Ansible, network automation, and SDN, and SD WAN, and cloud networking, and everything else. Mm-hmm. But somehow IPv6 is too hard. I don't know. I, 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 maybe I'm just a skeptical, skeptical person around this, or maybe I've been working in V6 so long it just naturally feels intuitive around that side. But man, you're willing to jump off the side of the boat to learn all those other things, but V6 is somehow too hard, even though it's 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 directly relatable to a ton of things you're doing in V4. Yeah, there's differences, but you know, it's it's a networking protocol. Right? Yeah, and it might lend itself well to any of those infrastructure automation methods you just described. Yeah. Like if you want to automate your network, rolling out V6 is a perfect excuse to build up your automation chops to say like, we're going to roll out V6, but we're going to use automation tools to do it. And so yeah. I leverage Ansible and Python to do exactly that. Yeah. Because what does your what are your automation tools look like with IPv4? Okay. Let me find an address that isn't in use. <laughs> uh, let me scout. How do I write an algorithm to do that? Or with IPv6, to just pop the next slash 64 off the stack and just slam it in. <laughs> and I don't need to even check. I just pop the next one off and I'm doing them sequentially or pop the next 48 off the stack and boom, there it goes. And the next 48, yeah. boom. And I don't even worry about reclaiming 48s because I got a gazillion of them. So I'm just like yep. assigning, yep. assigning, assigning, and I don't even worry about cleanup. And maybe it's cloud that that ushers us into this this new paradise of of operational ease. And because I, maybe that's the killer. In my opinion, maybe that's the killer app. You know, and we're we're sort of always we're we're certainly closer than we've ever been to it before. But but exactly what you're describing, where you've got this abundance of space, and it's very you can you can you can assign it in a very uh, consistent way across you know the entire collection of of network elements and infrastructure and service elements that that allows you to manage it just so much more efficiently and effectively. But there's this, this sort of watershed moment that has to happen where there's a realization that that's possible. And it, and it takes a large, sort of a large scale deployment service providers have, you know, done it already, but that's, that's something that, you know, you don't really have a window into unless you actually work directly for a service provider. And in, in some ways that just ends up being, you know, plumbing with the exception of, managed service providers and cloud service providers, but but I think it really will be the cloud service providers that sort of crack that code of using V6 in this incredibly efficient operational 
way where it's just this, the, 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 the abundance of the resources fully realized in the way in which it eases management and operations. And then that example will spill over mm-hmm. as, as all these other folks are consuming those cloud services and realizing, well, why don't we do this with our on-premise networks? Why don't, you know, at that point, I don't know that those distinctions will matter as much. And, and certainly there, those distinctions are eroding today, but yeah, no, that I mean, that, that does make a tremendous amount of sense, and it and, and it it's it turns v six into sort of a virtuous cycle of like I gain advantage over here, can exactly. I gain advantage over at someplace else? And I think, and, and you know, it's difficult to get there, but once you're there, it's it becomes much more intuitive because you realize you're not dealing in the landscape of scarcity; you're dealing in a landscape of abundance, and 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 the landscape of abundance allows you to solve problems that were outside of the space of consideration before. And I think that's one of the things that's that's sort of missing in in the overall discussion, right? Absolutely, is, is that capability. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did we cover? Did we cover what we thought we were going we needed to cover here in terms of helping folks sort of understand where they can where they can go talk with well, the, their managed team and you know, colleagues point, and peers. Pointy headed Dilbert boss actually coughed up a check for IPv6 now. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so uh, I I I think. Hopefully, this is useful for for the audience in terms of sort of of being able to articulate this through. So, if you're if you're on a team and you're like, "Hey, I think V6 could help solve something that we're working on," um, hopefully, some of these points might might help you articulate what that needs to be and and be able to go have those conversations and and get it across the finish line and go get the V6 stuff deployed and out there because you know, I think I think it'll only help the internet in general, right? Yeah. I guess tie those characteristics of IPv6 to your business mission, identify gains, build consensus, and kind of sell it up the food chain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. You can reach the IPv6 Buzz on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue. And I'm at E. Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast uh, apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. Um, If you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break Podcast, plus all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.